Hi, guys. I'm Kevin Southern. Hey, Kev. It's great to have you with us. This is great to be here. Yeah, we were looking forward to sitting down with you and just, yeah, hearing your story of faith and your walk with Jesus and what God's done in your life over the years. And uh, yeah, so thanks for coming and joining us. Oh, thanks for inviting me. That's a, it's a long journey. I'm getting older. It's a long journey. <laughs> yeah. I can see the adventure in your eyes. <laughs> the weathered look. <laughs> That's right. All right, hello. Blake and Matt here with you. Proto Evangelum Podcast. Been on a six month sabbatical. Been on a, yeah, we. <laughs> Is that what we called it? Did we call it a sabbatical? Yeah, we needed a break. Yeah, we needed a break. <laughs> it was just too much. Too much going on. But we're back. We're back. 2023. Um, yeah, we got a good one today. Yeah. Kevin. Hanging out with Kevin. Yeah. And. Uh, What's our goal here? We're going to try and do one a month We're going to try and get one out a month here again. And we we had the goal last year. We wanted to do 12. Yes. We got six. Yeah. Halfway. That's a pass in public school. (laughs) Yeah, that is a pass. That's 50%. So we considered it a fail, though, didn't we? Yes, we we did. Big time. Yeah. But anyways, what else can you say? We're back. We're back. Proto-Evangelum Podcast. We'll get you one a month here. Thanks for joining us. Coming out. Thanks for joining us. Take a listen. So yeah, what's your deal? Tell us from the tell us. Usually we just start from the beginning, start at the beginning, but we like to get to the juicy stuff quick because no okay. one cares about how. Oh, my mother fed me three times a day and blah blah blah. But you were born in a Christian home. Uh yes, I'll give you the uh, Cole's notes the Coles version. Notes, okay. Yeah, um, that's we'll what we're looking for. I'm from Edmonton. Um, go Oilers. Oilers. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, people should hear one thing about your Oilers experience. You oh, can chuck oh. this in here. Oh, you mean the fact that the night Wayne Gretzky broke the record of the fastest to 50? Uh, Kevin 50 was there. goals? Kevin was there. Yes, I was there. His parents had season tickets. And they didn't really go to the Oilers games much. I don't know why they had them. And so I got to go all the time. And uh, the night Gretzky had uh, uh, five goals in one game. To get the record, 50 goals, and I think it was in 39 39 games. games. Yeah. 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 So, again, goal winners. Okay. Okay, anyways. That's about all I know about you, actually. Yeah. Anytime anytime I hear about Kevin, I always hear Gretzky, Oilers, Gretzky, Oilers, Oilers, Gretzky, Bobby Orr. I I was actually raised, for the most part, in in St. Albert, um, which is just a a little place outside of Edmonton. Not so small anymore. Um, And... uh, uh, grew up there for the first 20 years, um, and uh, you know, came here when I was 20 to BC. To BC, yeah. Uh, that's an interesting story. Um, I should just let it out now. My my dad. Uh, uh, here we go. My dad was uh, hired by Kenneth Copeland to start all of his international offices around the world. So, oh, that was his role. Okay. Yeah. So he opened up in Canada. And then he went around Hong Kong, Australia, New Zealand, everywhere, and was Kenneth's right-hand man for a lot of years. And uh, so, yeah, I was uh, born in a Pentecostal faith, so mm. to speak. Yeah. My grandmother, you know, was very faithful to, you know, I remember growing up doing, you guys ever do sword drills? 
Yeah, absolutely. I love the sword drills. Yeah, yeah. I was a kid, you know, eight, nine yeah. years old. My grandma would get us kids around and do the sword drills. Is that where and, you, you got to find the scripture and yeah. raise your hand up? Yeah. Once, or lift your Bible up once you have the scripture? You yes. got to hold okay. your Bible in the air, and then when the reference is given, you get to Oh, go. okay. I yes. never. I don't know if I've ever done. Oh, yeah, yeah. Idea, that was, that was big. Yeah. The big thing is my grandmother just oozed love, love of Christ. And um, she wasn't educated. She wasn't, you know... Uh, really much of a Bible scholar and whatnot, but she just loved Jesus. She prayed yeah. and, uh, and read the word, and that's what I was raised in. Yeah. And so that was very helpful. Pentecostal church, so lots of, uh, you know, speaking in tongues and interpretation and uh, dancing and, you know, excitement, that kind of stuff. That's how I was raised, and I just knew that's what church was. And then um, uh, eventually my dad and my mom moved to Vancouver, uh, okay, because Kenneth asked them to start the Canadian office and whatnot. I was still in Edmonton. Okay, uh, I was in high school still, and uh, uh, eventually I wound up coming out here and uh, went to a Bible school in Texas. Which Bible school? Oh my gosh, this on, is really going to be embarrassing. Really, <laughs> I went to uh, Robert Tilton's Word of Faith Bible School. Okay. Now we're always going to go and Google Robert Tilton. Robert Tilton, and, yeah, and then they're going to be like, ooh. Yeah. Is Robert Tilton a wild man? He, I don't know Robert well, Tilton. Well, Robert Tilton had a church that had 8,000 people. Okay. Okay. It was huge. Yeah. And uh, the Bible school is great because we, there was some like, do you guys know who Lester Summerall is? I do, yeah. Lester Summerall. Because I grew up in the Pentecostal okay. church too, so I know the name Lester Summerall. Okay. Yeah. Lester Summerall was my Bible school teacher and okay. would walk down the aisles, look at me face to face, and just like you just like melted into the sea because he just oozed this authority. You okay. Know? So that was good. There were some good, solid people that were around. But Robert Tilton was a bit of a, uh, I want to be careful the words I use, but you know, let's just say there was some scandals okay. around him. Yeah. And uh, they're all, I think ABC News back in the late okay, 80s so did a whole bunch of stuff on him. These are okay. not small scandals. Yeah, you remember like Jimmy Swagger and Jimmy Baker? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Kind of the Got same. It. Got okay. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the uh, gold, the girls, and the glory—maybe all three, <laughs> all three at once, <laughs> at the same time. So, I mean, this is probably the first time I, I don't really share that story very often with people. First right. of all, most people wouldn't know who he is or what's going on. Right. But I thought, why not? You know. Uh, and you were how old? Sorry, how old I was twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Um, but I, I wound up, you know, uh, working at Kenneth Copeland. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, for a lot of years, actually, uh, in Canada. Because uh, what my, was your role? Uh, opera, I was uh, man. I started off in the shipping room, uh, tape production. Maybe I used to make the cassettes. You know, oh, really? <laughs> package them all together and yeah. ship them across Canada, um, and then worked my way up uh, into more of a, a operations mode, looking over the over the bookstore and other areas of the, the shipping department. And, right. You know, and then I moved into creative, uh, doing printing and the social media, or not social media, but uh, web design, that kind of stuff. Uh, okay. Before I got into what I do now, which okay. is web design. Uh, but yeah. I'll make a confession too. Yeah. My confession would be this. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be totally discredited here. But no, I, no, my my, I I would bet 
Am I going to become you, the new pastor here yeah, after yeah, you yeah, say yeah, this? Seriously, <laughs> I would bet that over the years, you shipped many things to many of my family members. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow, it all comes there together. Is, here we eh? go. Yeah. Here Small we go. world. That's it. People are shutting off their yeah. right now. Yeah. What kind of church is this? Yeah. So uh, I, I was raised Pentecostal, then moved to Word of Faith for a lot of years. Um, and... Uh, Eventually, over the years, moving forward, I wound up at a Calvary, not a Calvary church, but a Mennonite church. Okay. Then I went to the village for a while. Okay. So I think they're Baptist. Yeah. All right. Baptist I believe affiliated. So. Yeah. I believe so because they, they came out of the Tawasin Baptist church. Um, and then finally, my home, a Calvary church. So that's kind of my, you know, evolution. Your, so your church journey. So that's a yeah. big, yeah. Yeah. Big changes. Big changes. Yeah. So d- during that, like, earlier years, um, was there, like, did you, how was your, like, your Bible reading life? Like, did you read your Bible? Did you okay. pray? Did you go to yeah, give us insight Bible studies into, uh, and stuff? Yeah. Okay. So when I, because when I was, I was raised Pentecostal, uh, but I had a, a, a falling away, so to speak, like a lot of kids did in my late teens. And I became very jaded. Uh, um, and I used to, I feel so bad now. I used to just like treat my grandma so bad, you know, just loved me unconditionally, yeah. you know, and I'd argue with her, and, you know, if God was a loving God, he wouldn't allow this and that and all the typical arguments you come up with, you know. And uh, I just wasn't very nice for a few years there. But eventually there was a lady, um, and I might cry saying this, I haven't yeah, thought of her in okay. a while. She died a few years ago. Um, but I'm going to say her name. Her name is Joy Palmer. And Joy was a very wealthy individual. But she volunteered at Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And I was kind of doing drugs and, and not living a very good lifestyle. Um, as a matter of fact, I remember taking the bus from Edmonton to Vancouver to see my parents because that was kind of a rough situation. And I ran into somebody, and we did we did some drugs on the way down to see my my parents. And I was high when my parents picked me up, and I felt so bad, you know. My hair was down halfway down my back, and you know. Yeah. Um, and they took me to Kenneth Minish's office, and I was still a little high. Wow. And I ran into Joy, and she gave me this hug. I'll never forget it to this day. I was like twenty. She gave me this hug, and I just melted into her arms. And I didn't know who this lady was. I just felt the love of Jesus all over her. And that was the first spark of coming back. And every day, they put me to work in the back, making these tapes, you know, get this guy to the bad scene he's in in Edmonton. And and Joy would just put something on my desk, whatever, it'd be a, a tape on something or a devotional or whatever, and just say, you know, Jesus loves you, a little scripture. And just every day, you know, and I'd still go out and try and score somewhere, you know, whatever. But I was eventually, I was just drawn into the love of God by joy. Back to the faith, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we, uh, I was raised the, in the Word. So going back to your original point, you know, um, I wound up going to Bible school. Uh, I was so excited. I was just in the Word. Um constantly excited for Jesus. I, re- I remember being in Dallas 
and uh, we'd order pizza and you know go to the door and God have pizzas there and me might have got my roommates and I'd be like wait and I'd run and I'd grab a tract or whatever and it'd be like you know Jesus loves you and I'd spend two minutes preaching to him that was you know we we hit the streets all the time yeah in Dallas uh, go downtown Dallas and preach the gospel bold we'd pray for like an hour or two before asking God for direction and and uh, I remember going to New Orleans uh, with the witnessing crew and uh, just seeing God move people healed um, people just you, you share the gospel with them and they you know you preach the gospel right there and they just like they probably been raised in the church they just like start weeping yeah. you know just God moving all the time in the streets and excited about your faith and studying and then whatnot so yeah to answer your question there was when I, when I came back to Christ, right, I was I was red hot, absolutely, yeah, and awesome. uh, yeah, that was my early years in Dallas, and then eventually came back to Vancouver, settled here, and uh, was that Bible school? Was that school the kind of school where it's like uh, <coughs> I always hear stories of when my mom went to Bible school, and you'd have to like met boys and girls would like walk down. You were allowed to have like a I think a one hour date every week together almost wow. like that and they'd have to they'd and to go on really? a date you'd have to sit in the certified school like cafeteria area and they would have like people watching to make sure you don't get too close and almost like that okay. not quite okay. but yeah not quite as conservative yeah yeah exactly but you know I, that's actually probably jumping ahead a little bit I, I originally i should probably tell you how i came to christ yeah yeah it was even though i was raised in the faith there's always that moment where you make your own decision and uh being raised in Pentecostal church, David Wilkerson came to town. Really? To Edmonton? To Edmonton. Oh. And I was like 12. And uh, I went with my friends, and uh, he was a great speaker. And he just, uh, you know, he preached a very simple gospel, you know, and my heart was convicted. And I just, uh, yeah, when he when he preached it, I believed it, and I just ran up and uh, and and went to obviously going to church was just you know what you did right i didn't have a, really a choice growing up right you right. just everybody went to church but yeah i was i truly had a uh experience of of knowing who jesus was <clears throat> when the preaching of the gospel through david wilkerson sweet and it was really high school where i fell away you know and uh uh you know all the typical you know your friends and and hanging out with the wrong people and and you name it um but I had moments after I'd fallen away. I was like 17, 18, where God, I, I knew God had moved and was working on me. It didn't happen until I was 20 and I met Joy and, and whatnot. I really came all the way back. But I, there was times where God was moving in my life and I knew it, but I kept resisting. And I remember one time being at a party and just had done way too much drugs and everybody was kind of just, you know, just kind of in a daze and actually no that's not true there was people i remember people playing a game or something and some some of us were just had done drugs and we were sitting on the couch kind of tuning out and it was like instantly god just like took the curtain back and he revealed to me what was going on mm -hmm. and i could see the demonic activity in the room i could mm -hmm. see what was happening in the spirit world and i i got up and i ran out and people were like what's wrong with you and i just ran out and ran home I was staying at my grandparents, you know, and just, I was shaking like a leaf for a day or two after. It was so real. God would just, kind of like, here, I'm going to give you a peek. 
into what the world you're living in right now really is. And then you kind of forget those moments and you go back into right, your lifestyle right. and, you know. But yeah, so that was my my early, uh, my my conversion and, and coming back to Christ. Cool. Yeah. So you go, you go off to Bible college and... Then you make your way back to Vancouver. Did you go back to work for Copeland Ministries? Yeah, I went Ministries? back to Copeland. Yeah, yeah. and uh, my parents had moved down to Texas because they were running the international department out of out of Texas. And oh, uh, really? huh. um, uh, so I, I would actually won't go to Texas quite often to go down there for uh, on a private jet. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I want to know. Did you fly on a private jet? I did not. Okay, but I dropped Kenneth off at his private jet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, i'll tell you something um for all the i, I know people are just kind of going oh kenneth copeland dominique and i it's my wife we went down to texas one time and we got a tour because my my mom and dad were both working at the uh eagle mountain offices where kenneth was and it's this beautiful facility eagle mountain lake and and we're getting a tour and uh, we're walking around and we're meeting people and you name it. And uh, dad said, do you want to go uh, into Kenneth's office? You know, <laughs> I said, yeah, sure. And so Dominique and I walked in and the second our feet hit his carpet, it was like this peace just came over me. Like a, like a, just like a blanket, a warm blanket. Walked around, I'm looking at everything. And we left, and Dominic and we went to the lunchroom or whatever, and Dominic looked at me and goes, did you feel that? Yeah. And it's like, I don't know what that was, but that was incredible. So when people say, well, Kenneth's this, Kenneth's that, um, I kind of have a little more insight into it. My dad was his right-hand man. Whenever they traveled internationally, right. my dad had to be uh, kind of in the next room if, if he needed anything. Oh, okay. And so, uh, you know, like dad said, Kenneth, sometimes two in the morning, Archie, <laughs> that's your dad's name, Archie. Yeah. Okay. can you go get me some ice cream? <laughs> no, have to go. really? Maybe in yeah. Hong Kong or wherever. And I get Blake know, to do that. Time to time. <laughs> that's where it, it comes like, from. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad would have to run out and get Kenneth ice cream or just whatever he needed, something, you know, cause Kenneth, why? Cause Kenneth was praying and he didn't want to be disturbed from the whatever how many hours before he was praying or speaking he was in his room locked away and many times you know my dad could hear him through the walls it's like you just you just and by the way i hung around the word of faith movement i've hung around pentecostal movement there is sin and wrong doctrine and things get wrong in every camp i can tell you that right now no camp has got it all you know but I can judge the men, and I've known lots of preachers in the world. My dad's a minister, mm-hmm. and uh, that was part of the reason I walked away from the faith mm-hmm. was because I was let down so many times by uh, preachers. Um, but my dad always said, you know, with all the stuff that's going on and, and you name it, um, and my mom and dad were let down a right. lot of times by certain things in the movement and whatnot. He said... He's the real deal. Hmm. In all the things I can say, you know, about people and whatnot, the man has legitimate faith in Christ and lives lives it. So, for what it's worth, you know, um, doctrinally, uh, I may disagree in some areas now and, and whatnot, uh, but on a personal level, 
I have some insight and my own personal experience. Yeah. Uh, I can, for what it's worth. So yeah, there for a lot of years. It is interesting to hear that. I mean, I, just because you can cruise around online and watch a lot of different stuff. I, I, I'm embarrassed I, I, all the time. Yeah, like yeah, like <laughs> like recently, not that long ago, I like watched some Inside Edition report on got him at the car. On, yeah, got him at oh, the car. Got bad. Kenneth at the but car. But he's 80 years old, man. He's old. He's 80 years old. He looks a little crazy. <laughs> I have to say, like the way his eyes go, you're like, I know. what is going on with I that know. dude? But um, yeah, I know. Yeah. And and who and who knows? I mean, from the time that yeah. that you had personal connection to yeah. where things have gone, exactly. Yeah. I I can only speak speak from personal experience. I remember I was going to a church in Surrey. Uh, Not that I am endorsing <laughs> Kenneth Copeland. You can pick up his yeah. tapes now you at our connection Kenneth, center. Yeah. <laughs> we have a cassette reproduction. Uh, Kenneth's running it. <laughs> Sorry, you're uh, I was going to say, I went to Victory Christian Center, which is a pretty large church in Surrey. And uh, actually, Dominic and I were there for like 17, 18 years. You were on staff at one point there too? No, I was, I was, a, I was a youth leadership. Okay, youth there leadership. Okay. They asked me to come on staff, but I, I didn't want to at the time. And, um, but I, uh, I love Pastor John and Helen. You know, they're just great. And, you know, just we were there a long time. But John invited John, uh, Lester Summerall up to speak. And uh, I was kind of worth the youth group at the time. And, and uh, Lester's at the pulpit and uh, our youth group is in the back, right? And they're all kind of slouched over like young people can be, you know, and some are wearing ball caps. Oh, boy. Yeah, and uh, backwards, okay? I don't know Lester Summerall. Is he... Yeah, look him give up. Me, give me a two seconds. He, he, he was big uh, uh, evangelist in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And oh, okay. uh, if you look him up on the internet, yeah, uh, you'll find him. Okay. And uh, <laughs> just very powerful speaker. Um, again, when he, when he walks in the room, you kind of like, you back up. Smarten up a bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyways. Okay, so uh, they're sitting in the back with their ball caps on. And he's at the pulpit preaching. And then he looks over and he sees my crew. <laughs> with their hats backwards, man. <laughs> and he just points at him and just lets him have it. You are in the house of God. Show some respect. And he's just tearing off a strip off these kids. And me included, we're all just kind of sliding down <laughs> in our seats. <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, you know, uh, I don't remember the other Lester Summerall story I like is uh, he was getting into his car with, uh, I guess, his assistant, his secretary, whatever, to go somewhere. And she got, a, she got in the front seat next to him. And he tur- looked over at her and he said, uh, excuse me, that's reserved for Mrs. Summerall. <laughs> 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 he, he always kept his door open, like never shut his door. And then yeah. if there was a woman around, whatever. He's just very, you know, old school, and you know, in a very good way, right? Yeah. Responsible way. Yeah. Um, but said things sometimes in a crusty way, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So, where was I going with that? I don't uh, know. Yeah. Where were we going with that? I'm one? not sure. Yeah. Okay, I got a question too. Yeah. I, I I'd like to. Can I ask you something? And then maybe, I mean. Maybe we'll edit this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Depending on your answer, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have a drink of coffee. No, but I, no, I I think maybe you'd you'd find this interesting. I um, and this would have to do with word of faith doctrine. You know, I I grew as you know, I grew up in the Pentecostal church too, and so, and grew up in family circles where, you know, Copeland was loved, Benny Hinn was loved, you know, Lester Summerall, 
I remember those books on my grandparents, you know, coffee tables and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so when I went to Bible college, I I, uh, I would drop in. I would pop in it at uh, Victory Church in Surrey from time oh. to time. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever told you this. So when Lisa and I were, you know, we were dating. Um, when Lisa and I started dating, her dad had cancer, and it was, um, it was. It was terminal. I mean, maybe I didn't totally understand that at that point in time. And so uh, I dragged him I dragged him out to an event that was kind of focused on healing at, at Victory. And uh, I took him up to the front to be prayed for because, um, man, we, he needed a miracle. Like if he was going to live, that was the only thing that was going to happen. The Lord was going to have to touch him. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so I, I recall it. It was, it was formative for me. I recall, you know, hands being laid on him, people leading out in prayer, and then, you know, nothing happened. So, again, nothing happened. And I feel like the Lord kind of pulled back the curtain and gave me insight into something, too, because as he was, this man was, like, praying for my the fellow who'd be my future father-in-law, he didn't, he didn't live another, he didn't make it through the rest of that year. Um, it was like, it was like the man who was praying for him was like, okay, I could see him, the gears turning in his head, so to speak. It's like, well, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. You know, like we laid hands, he came to the house of God, we, we, we prayed, we did so in faith. Um, and nothing's happened and we tried it more than once. And it was like, I felt like the guy who was laying hands on my, uh, father-in-law was judging him actually. Well, the problem must be with you. There's Mm. sin. There is unconfessed sin. The the problem is you don't believe enough. That's the problem. And it was like, it made me angry. I was like, I was standing there with him. There was three of us, you know, and I'm like, I know that that Lisa's dad loves the Lord, that he has a desire to live, that he believes the Lord, that he knows, you know, apart from the touch of God, his end is coming. And so uh, for me at that point in time, it was like, okay, I have a certain level of rejection of some of this theology and i've got to wrestle through this because i can see he's actually judging the person he's praying for because the problem has to be with him i don't know uh does that sound familiar at all to you you said the word you wrestle with it and since i've moved on to other uh uh, down other roads like theologically theologically but going to other churches you know village the Mennonite Church, and now Calvary. Um, I've I, I've kind of like a like a piece of rock, whatever. I've had edges chopped off, polished, you know, changed. I've changed a lot, but f- I've come to the conclusion. Uh, Carrie Simpkins, who comes to the church here, him and I, he's been an absolute blessing. Him and I go out for coffee and we talk, you know, the stuff through, and it's been so good because I'm. 
un-Armenian. God is, we have free will. And he says, I grew up Calvinist, which is God's sovereign. It's going to happen. He's going to do it. We don't really have any say in it. But we both have kind of come to where, wow, it's a great mystery. Yeah. And somewhere in the yeah. middle, God is sovereign. We have free will. And it gets wrapped up into a ball somehow. I don't know how it all works. I really don't. It's beyond me. But I know our faith plays a role in it. His sovereign, his will to heal and to everything else plays a role in it. But don't ask me to unravel it and explain how right. it works. I don't. But I, I get upset. Literally, my guts churn when I hear people talk about, well, if God's going to get you, he'll just get you. That kind of terminology, like, you know, you know, you know if you're, if you're going to uh, get cancer. Well, it's because God wanted you to have cancer uh, for a reason. And, that, you know, you need to work that out. I get angry because my God doesn't do that. There's an old preacher, probably priest, oh, actually, Kenneth Copeland worked for him, uh, who was this pilot in the 60s uh, named Earl Roberts. He's one of the first evangelists on TV. Do you know what saying? Those was? books are on my grandparents' <laughs> coffee tables, too. <laughs> Do you, so all the people that are listening to this that are younger are like, who are they yeah, talking Yeah, who are they talking about? about? It's well, like these are the, anybody that has Pentecostal background will understand these yeah, conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, do you remember, because or, Oral Roberts used to have a TV show, one of the first uh, live, or yeah, I guess just programs on Sunday. Do you remember what his saying was? No, I can tell you. God. <laughs> well, unless I go reference the books in my office. <laughs> oh, no, wait, I don't have any. What if you check our connection center? <laughs> Anyways, his, one of his sayings was, God is a good God, period. Right. And that was surprisingly revolutionary back in the 50s and 60s because most people were already understanding that, well, God is sovereign. He's sitting up there and he's kind of going, today I'm going to do this to you and you. And Oral would come out and say, my God doesn't do that. My God cannot sin. My God will not give you cancer. My God's not going to make you trip and fall and break your leg. That's not my God. My God is always good. We live in a sinful world. We do things ourselves that are stupid. The devil wants to get you, so to speak. And, you know, you know, scriptures about the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I've come to give you life, life abundantly. That's my philosophy now in life. Why everyone, I had a friend of mine who had cancer and was dying in his last days and I went and laid hands on him. I prayed. He's looking at me, crying, you know, and I said goodbye, and he was dead within 72 hours. It's one of those, you know, punch in the gut moments, and it's like, I'm not going to give up. It's, it's no different than when I pray for someone, or I'm witnessing to someone, and I'm praying for someone's salvation. Do I see the manifestation right there? Now, there are people right now, I'm sure we all do, that we're praying mm-hmm. for their salvation. We're preaching to them. We're doing everything we can. Well, why aren't they saved? It's God's will. I don't know. Because there's somehow there is a part of that person that has to accept it. You know, that's where I come from. But you're right. right. Growing up, I can see when you have moments like that, it's like you can't put the blame on that person who's, you know, like your father-in-law. Right. I get that. Yeah. I do. Yeah. You know, so it's a nuanced conversation. It's a fun conversation and it's valuable because... um yeah, people come from different theological streams, and you've got to wrestle through these things, you know. Well, answers to prayer, and the Lord says yes, and he says no, and he says wait, and um, we like to box them in. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's like I, we, we like you said, we want to put a formula on it, and it's like you know, uh, pray for a person this way. Well, it worked last time, you know. If we just do it again, it'll work. And God's always moving, you know, and He's always, uh, you know. Well, you, how'd you get saved? Well, personally, laid hands on me, and I instantly was saved. Well, what happened to you? Well, the person said, rub. You know, right. dirt in my eyes and this and that and spun me around and sent me that direction and go bathe and whatever. And then I was healed. There is no formula. It's God. It's your faith. It's a number of things. And I often say, you know, it's like the woman who was walking and, and uh, touched Jesus' garment, right? There's lots. There's a crowd of people around Jesus. And what did Jesus say? He didn't see the person, but he felt, it says, somebody touched my garment. You. Power went out from him. Yeah. So there was a withdrawal of power. That's a kind of a little preaching that one, by the oh. way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, it's been a journey. That's that's it's. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I love about the, the Calvary Church is its word. It's just the word unadulterated. There's no. I don't want to badmouth any old preaching that I grew up with because a lot of it was really good but Dominique and I got really tired of the five steps to this and ten ways to improve that sermons all the time from the various communities we're a part of yeah and I'd never really been to a church that was just well I guess I had because some word of faith churches were just word but a lot of churches I grew up when they kind of packaged it into these cute little you know today's messages seven ways to do this and whatnot and a lot of anecdotal uh, speaking and storytelling mm. and everything else, which is fine once in a while. But we need the word, mm-hmm. just the unadulterated, here's the scripture, turn to it, read it together, here's what it's saying, that kind of stuff. And go and ruminate on it, pray about it and whatnot. It's been life-changing for Dominique and I. Yeah. It really has been. I'm so thankful that we have a church, a Bible-believing church. Because when we came to, to Gibson's, um, from the lower mainland, we were like, oh, we love this community. And if they have a church that's just like normal, with normal people they can actually communicate with, it'll be awesome. You know what I mean? That's us. We're normal. <laughs> we're normal. <laughs> well, we didn't know what we were getting into. Like, yeah, we're yeah. moving out to the boonies here. It's like, right. you know. A bunch of hippies up here. Of, yeah. Yeah. Because we, Big time. we visited a couple of times and I'm like, wow, these guys are, you know, now we're part of it. But, um, uh, it was so refreshing to hear the word spoken and people just, you know, uh, on top of that, there's community, which is huge at, at CTK. So um, <clears throat> it's been life-changing for us. We've really come a long way because we were, Dominique and I were in a, in a real dark road there for a few years. We've been hurt. We were disenchanted. Um, uh, yeah, we just... Our life, our, our life there for a number of years was, uh, uh, I'm talking about my 40s. Right. Um, we were, we were, I think we stopped going to church for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think we were going to a, a Mennonite church on and off, just kind of not really plugged in. And, uh, um, and it, was, it was not good. And when we came to here, yeah, our faith was getting stronger. But this just totally brought us back in line, so to speak. Uh, hearing the word, getting accountability with local people in the, the church and whatnot, yeah. and uh, we miss that. Yeah, you know, 
So, yeah. Was there, was there anything specific that made you go eh, church? Yeah. During those. Yeah. Um, you know, I said when I was younger, we. Uh, I've never told the story before. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> when I was in my teens, I walked away because I had seen hypocrites and whatnot in the faith, and I just like you know was open to the enemy. He just fed me lies and you name it until I turned it around uh, in my early 20s. In my early 40s, mid-40s, um, we had uh, kind of left victory. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were kind of, we had gone to start going to another church, and but we weren't making any connections. We started hanging around with a, a different crowd that weren't believers mm. and hanging out with them. And they were just nice people. Right. You know what I mean? Fun, easy going. And, uh, and we just spent our time doing more of that than going to church. We had really, our, and our Christian friends all were getting divorced. Yeah. So we had grown up in our 20s and 30s with, this, with these people, and then they started getting divorced and breaking off and whatnot. And just all that, you're kind of like, what is going on in life? And we're almost feeling disoriented. Right, yeah. And uh, we started hanging out again in my 30s and 40s with the wrong crowd, so to speak, and getting drawn away from, and we were always believers, but we were living a back, we were really living a backslidden life mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you know? And uh, um, it was, uh, yeah, God intervened and we came, you know, we got back. We started going to the village. You yeah. Know, enjoyed yeah. the village. It's, good, it's kind good of our, church. our yeah. first step back into uh, and coming back. And yeah. uh, and being plugged in, we'd always served ever since I was in my early twenties. I, I spent more time at church than away. And uh, um, when my kids were that age, I spent a lot of time with my kids, coaching volleyball, just stuff that was away from the church. Yeah, I'd never been that way before. You know, I found myself kind of lost. Yeah, you know, and uh, but. Uh, yeah, it's just one thing I can say is, you need we need community. We need to be together, and that's why COVID, everything's been going on the yeah. last few years, has been so. And you can see it. People have drifted away. Yeah, friendships, everything. Whenever you don't have accountability and community and whatnot, it's like a a herd. You know, uh, the, the 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 hyenas or the whoever see that one that's kind of been separated out. Pick them off. And they can pick them off. It's that's uh, uh, that rule applies to humans just as much, and the enemy knows that, and he looks for those that are kind of been falling back or hurting, you know, and picks them off. That's kind of what happened to me in my teen years, and then again in my late thirties, early forties. Yeah, yeah. So I, if anything, good word church, a good good Bible believing church, yeah, Bible teaching, Bible believing church, and and accountability and community. Somebody's going to look at you when you're kind of wandering off and go, "What are you doing?" Yeah. You know, well, what do you mean? What am I doing? No, well, you're not coming to church, not in a condemning way, but right. more of in a loving. Put your arm around it. Your arm, like, like Darcy. You know, Darcy's the kind of guy who's like a good sheepdog. You know what I mean? He's kind of looking and seeing who's potentially wandering here. He doesn't do it in a condemning way or like that, but he'll he'll seek you out and kind of like, hey, what's going on? Yeah, and just kind of nudge you back into the fold. Yeah. We need people like that in the church. Yeah, you know who do that. I, I, I kind of want to do that more at CTK. Yeah, 
look for people that are starting to separate from the herd and get them back in. Yeah. You know, it's it's a ministry in itself. Yeah, really. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's what, Dominic and I. That's what happened to us. Cool. Um, I I got uh, a couple of questions. Um, one one just a, wondering if you could draw on observations like when you when you talk about seeing friends and their marriages bust up and what what do you walk away from like back in hindsight as you look back and it's always a tragic thing when you see this happen in the lives of believers in their in their families what 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 observations do you what what things do you see that you're like yeah hmm you know it's really Dominique and I started going to Victor Christian Center when it was just a, like a home group. They were out of the Mennonite church there, the big one, Willingdon. John had started a, a little home group thing there, and, and we were part of that. There was only like 14 of us. And Was Willingdon a Mennonite church? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. MB. And then we started going to the uh, high school in Surrey, and we as a crew would all go there. We had set everything up, all the sound system, you know, it took us like an hour and a half, you know, to set up and right. yeah. all the chairs and then yeah. tear down and you name it. And you get a real tight crew when you do that. Right. And we're growing. Right. Cause it was word of faith. It was exciting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, it was, it was growing. You know, we started off with you like can 50 believe people. It. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we got like up to, I don't know, that high school, probably three, 400 people. But young people, all our age, in our 20s, just starting to have kids. And John and Helen were so good at family. That's their strength, teaching family, marriage, family, marriage. They're just drilled, drilled, drilled. And so you've got all these young, like our age, new families going. And we're all sticking together. We're all close and whatnot. And we all go to marriage seminars twice, three times a year, uh, you know, plugged in, teaching Sunday school, just really tight. And it took about eight to 10 years and maybe 15. And Dominic and I looked back and half those marriages imploded. Why? We still, we still go, how could that happen? We were all raised to, mm -hmm. you know, that marriage is important. Put it first, you name it. I think, I think John and Helen and that church drew the attention of the enemy and they went to work over time, spiritually, uh, undermining marriages, you name it. I can't, you know, not not all marriages imploded. I'm not saying, I'm just right. saying a lot of our friends. Yeah, just, a, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm which had an impact on me. Yeah. Like out of my seven or eight closest friends, six of the marriages dissolved, that kind of a thing. Do, do you think there was uh, a theological root to that? Boy, that's a good one. I, I never even thought of it before, but perhaps maybe the teaching was really good, but maybe the roots didn't go deep enough. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. Maybe if there was more word. You know what? I never even thought about it before, mm -hmm. but that, that could be it. Yeah. It wasn't for a lack of hearing the good stuff, you know, you know the, the importance of you know communication and, and all those things. It was all there. And John and Helen are really good teachers. You know, don't get me wrong. I, again, I love them. I, they, John married Dominique and I. Cool. Dominique was John's first receptionist. She was 18. She was his receptionist, uh, secretary. At the so, church? At the church, yeah. So, you know, we go way back with them. We love all those guys. But you go back and you look at it and you go, what happened? 
Sure. You know, um, yeah. Uh, and it's and it, and it's a subtle wound because I'm still totally. friends with people that are split up and everything else to yeah. this day. You know, um, a good probably at the time my best friend. You know, four boys. He's like in his twenties. He's got four boys. You know, and he'd be on me every day. Get to church. <laughs> you know, if I skipped a Sunday, where were you Sunday? Like this guy. And years later, kids are in high school, divorced, stopped going to church, all this stuff. Now we're slowly trying to bring him back, you know, to the faith. But just things like that had a real impact on Dominique and I kind of like, wow, somebody came and threw a grenade into our life and we got hit with shrapnel and we're hurt and the enemy came and took us out. So I'm a, I'm a test, I'm a, a walking billboard of, Wow, if you allow hurts and whatnot to come in, you could be taken out. Like even if you think you got, you know, it all together, you know, the enemy is always looking for that weak spot. Yeah, you know, and he'll yeah. find it and watch out. But if you got community around you, you got people around you who can see it. You know, the sheep dogs. Yeah, that, you need that. Yeah, you know, and that's what the church is for. Yeah, and again, back to my point, COVID is that was the enemy wanted to, he wanted to get the sheep dogs out of the way. So he could pick people off. Yeah. And he was very effective. I think we've lost a lot of people. A lot of churches have uh, have split and divided and, you know. You've been shut down. Shut down. Yeah. You can hear story after story because of that. And that was a, the enemy just took advantage of that. Yeah. Big time. And I'm so thankful our church, for the most part, stayed out of that and just did our best to, no matter where you're at with this thing, we're going to walk in love. And, you know, we're going to try and stay open. We've still, yeah, we still lost people. And it's really sad. I think the, I think statistically they're saying 15% of the church, I think it's 15% will never return. And, you know, it's not a small, it's not a small number. Hey, you got a, you got a passion for men. I do. I do. I was going to say, it's not surprising to hear. It's funny when you hear, like you look around it's not surprising to hear your history of ministry and volunteering as you go along. You did blah, blah. you'd help set up church. You'd Kenneth Copeland ministry. You did all these things because you can, because uh, even today here at CTK, you you help with the tech at the back. You uh, are our men's minister as much as we might not say that or not you are our men's guy do a lot of stuff for the guys yeah. yeah and so you can always tell people that like have a heart for ministry because yeah uh i know even in myself when i take a i'm like ah oh, it's too much it's too much and you take a step back but ministry always draws you back in and so like to hear that oh you had a you have a history of long ministry in the church is like oh yeah that's not surprising this yeah. guy does everything around here too yeah yeah i love you can just tell you're right. People who they just pick it up, they see the need, and they pick it up. Um, yeah, uh, but all part of that is I love being around people. I love the accountability. Yeah, you know, um, and I and I love to be able to use my gifts as much as possible. Um, but yeah, uh, men's is, men men's ministry is easy. I did youth ministry for right. for years and years and years. <laughs> You know, it's a, can I, sometimes when I became a lead pastor, somebody asked me one time, it was another, another pastor guy I respected. He said, what's the, what, what's the big, you know, difference between being a youth pastor and a lead pastor? And I said, actually, I've discovered it's not all that different. (laughs) 
growing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people want relationship. And when you invest in relationships um, and point people to Jesus, you you build something together that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And we've got a a good core of people here that uh, just love Jesus. Good attitude. Oh, my gosh. You have no idea how much just a good attitude is. You know, I'll take I'll take somebody who has a great attitude over somebody who is a great worker in every other respect, anytime. You know, totally. and the guys I've got around me that help out and whatnot. Just why do you have a heart for men? Hmm. There's this word of faith guy. <laughs> his name. Oh, here we go. His you name. Can find his tape. <laughs> <laughs> his name is Ed Cole. Ed, I don't even. Know, I guess Ed Cole. I don't even know if Ed Cole's even more of faith. He was Pentecostal. Okay. Because I remember him talking about that all the time. But he had a men's ministry, and when I was in my twenties, he had a big impact. He's just real kind of uh, one of these guys that would say things that would rhyme to help you remember it. Okay. You know, I can't think of anything offhand right now, but I just loved his little sayings because you could just, oh, that's so good, you know, and remind you. But he'd, he'd preach, you uh, know, in, in a very teaching style like men and everything was about, you know, marriage and communication and, and sex and, and you name it. And we, all us young men just grew up with Ed Cole. Did you hear the latest Ed Cole? You know, yeah, that was, we did. And men's ministry at victory and whatnot. That's where you saw the real growth and the, and the community being built. When we went on a men's retreat, when we went and as men, we would go and, we would organize because we we're pretty big into organizing stuff all the time, like we do here. Yeah, let's do a thing for the women. Let's go help them out. This we would have a a, a dinner for three hundred women, and all the men would cook and serve and do the dishes and things like that. When you're working with the guy, right, and you're yeah. and you're you're with them all day, shoulder prepping, to shoulder, serving, you name it. You're building camaraderie. You're building trust, friendships. You're laughing. That's where you build a church, right? And I recognize that. And I want that for CTK as much as possible. I see that. That's why I love when the more men I can get involved in helping preparing for a breakfast is great. Because I, I sit back and I look at two guys that normally talk. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, oh, Frying oh. eggs together. Yeah, yeah. And they're, oh, they've got that in common. They didn't know that. Now I see them at church the next Sunday talking. And there's another connection, right? It's like, it's like connections, chain yeah. links that get built. Yeah, that strengthen the church. That's how I look at men's ministry, because the men, including myself, we have a tendency to pass off on more of the churchy kind of stuff, right? Women are all in there praying, and and you name it. And us men are a little more. We're not as relational, so it's not as easy, yeah. right? And so you got to find a way to somehow bring them together as much as possible. Otherwise, we'll wander off and and kind of isolate ourselves so uh i love i love doing that as much cool. as possible and, and cool. builds community and men's ministry is um i don't want to say the most underrated but typically like you say i appreciate what you said about prayer typically it's more women that go to prayer typically it's women that are worshiping more and so um Men's ministry is like one of the most important things that a church can do because when you have a man that uh, follows God, that leads his family, 
as God calls them to, as when you see a, they often say, if you, if you, if you get a, a husband to convert, to come to Christ, he'll get his whole family. Win a man, win a family. There you go. That's, oh man, see? That's good. Eh? That's good. <laughs> That's Ed Cole. Ed Cole right, right there. there. Yeah. One man, win a family. Yeah. Took me 50 words, took you four. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. I wish that was mine. <laughs> uh, men's ministry, very important. Very important and valuable. And even, I would agree, even in the past couple of years since you've been doing it, you can see the men in our church, um, like there's been a long history at CTK of like, like five years ago, six, seven years ago, to be able to get a man to come to men's prayer was almost impossible. Seriously. There'd be like three of us at men's prayer weekly. And um, to be able to look around and see, hey, man, we got like 10, 15 men coming regularly every week to pray in the morning as men together. We got, you're doing men's breakfast now once a month. Last month we had... 30 men come 40. together 40 Almost 40 yeah like um and then you look around the church on sunday and like you say about marriage when you have men that are strong leading their family that love christ uh that teach their children and their wives to love christ you don't get divorce you don't get problems in the church that uh strong men can lead their families in yeah all that to say great work <laughs> I, th- I think when I think about uh, women, it's like they're they're like I always say, looking at in automobiles, women are Corvettes, men are Ford one fifties, right? <laughs> you cannot compare the two. Right. We all love looking at the Corvette, but we all love the fact that I, you know, well, look at that power and the ability that that work truck, right? But so many women are forced to do the work of an F one fifty. Right, and we're always, you know, like they're doing all the stuff that the man should be doing. You know, they're they're hauling the stuff, they're hauling the trailer full of stuff with their Corvette, right? Because the man ain't around to do it, right? But you're right. If a man was doing it, it'd be so much more efficient, and just stuff would get done around the church. I'm talking a lot of metaphors here, but the the generalizations. Yeah, but yeah. If a man would just do his part more in the church, I think you'd see the women be able to just go back. Just doing what they do well. Yeah. Right. And in family and, and in marriage. Right. You know, we, uh, I always say this it's like, don't lower the bar for men. Men like a raised bar, they like to be called up. And when it, when churches lower the bar for men, you, they take it lower than where the bar is set. <laughs> so it's good. I can vouch for that. Yeah. Raise the bar. Raise the bar for men. So it's it's cool to talk about this, even as I hope some of our guys are listening. Yeah. Yeah. Step up. Yeah. That's great. Uh, what's God doing in your life right now? What are you excited about family-wise, hmm. future-wise? What is God doing? Where is your heart encouraged, Kevin? I'm, I am a... Uh, uh, political junkie. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so I spend a uh, I spend a lot of time ruminating and and looking into what's going on in the world, politically, culturally, geographically. So it's geopolitical stuff all the time. Yeah. 
And I will confess to you, as my pastor right now, <laughs> it's, it's been out of line for a lot of years. It really has been because I find I'm the happiest and the most productive when I'm focused on the things that I can touch and have an impact on locally. It's just like a, it's such a, um, not, well, it's a habit, but it's also so fun to just look into what's going on in the world and, you know, study it and I get drawn into it. Mm-hmm. But I, I know it's like candy. It's not doing, I, I need the local, you know, where I can actually have an impact and, and that's where the nutrition can be had, right, in my life yeah. is by working on personal relationships and personal accountability, things that are local as much as possible. But my my bad habits are, and my wife's going, yes, he's saying this right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, uh, you know, Twitter is my enemy. It really is. But I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely drawn to it because of the things that are fascinating. I'm fascinated by culture and what's happening in the world. It just fascinates me. And, and the culture war. And there's a culture war going on what? right now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah. So that's probably... Um, as I'm, as I'm prayerfully, uh, my, the, the 2023 is the year hopefully of, of bringing everything more local. Cool. Accountability, the church, friendships, you know, uh, men's ministry, things like that, where I can have more of an impact. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, we probably the biggest habit we've developed in the last year in 2022 we decided we were going to pray together every day, read the word. That was kind of our goal. And we've had this in the past, since I was more in your 20s. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do this. And it always falls off and it fails and it's hit and miss. 2022 is the first year after 34 years of marriage of us praying almost every day, having that time to get starting our day together. It's brought us together closer. It's more intimate. Strengthened our marriage because it has a ripple effect in every area of your life. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. And there's mornings where I'm like, I, yeah, I'm kind of grumpy. I don't really want to. <laughs> but she's there. Kind of Bible open to go. And there are times where it's like, I'm there and I'm leading it. That's, so 2023, kind of expand beyond that and kind of make it more, uh, uh, touch lives personally as much as I can. Locally, yeah. And like I said, my wife is cheering. I can just hear her already <laughs> cheering this as I speak. Cool. Something else we'd like to do is um, uh, someone's listened to your tape. Send them your tape. <laughs> we can we can make a copy can of make, this yeah. and mail it to you. If you'd like more, for nineteen ninety nine, we can turn... Th- and a love offering of... Yeah. <laughs> we'll slip in a little bottle of holy water. Yeah. We're hoping to get a you know private chat at some point. Uh, no. Just share the gospel with people. Someone's listening right now and they go, oh, cool, Kevin. What is the gospel? What is the gospel in like a two-minute kind of gospel message? Give it to the people. Yeah. Um, the gospel, uh, when I was searching Christ, or searching... Um, what came down? What it came down to, really, like I said, was this joy, who I met, and it started with the love, the love of God, coming out of every pore in her being. That's what attracted me, 
right? It wasn't another verse. I knew all the verses, right? Yes, knowing the scripture is important, but lots of people can know the scripture and have no experience of Christ touching their lives. So to me, the gospel really is speaking truth in love, who Jesus is. It always comes back to Jesus and who he is and what he did for us. And um, so realizing that Jesus died for our sins, yes, coming to that knowledge, but then recognizing I am lost without accepting that sacrifice for myself, walking in it, walking in that truth, and just confessing, you know, you know, uh, John three sixteen can't get any more simple than that, right? He sent his son to die for us. And if we believe, he will save us. And it's, there's only one way to God, and that's through his son, Jesus. That's the only thing, you know, I always say to people, we can argue about everything else, Calvinism, Arminianism, everything else. That's fun. But at the end of the day, I don't care what denomination, what part of the faith you come from, do we all agree that Jesus it's funny, you know, I argued with somebody the other day on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know who I was because I was anonymous, but I knew who he was. He's a guy I used to work with at Kenneth Copeland Ministries. He's a pastor today, a very successful pastor in the States. And him and I were discussing, right? We were arguing about stuff. I didn't, I didn't want to reveal who I was. I, I thought about it, but no. Anyways, he's, he, at the end of the day, we both said, it's about Jesus. And we left it at that. You know, and I just reminded that's because I know his heart, right? I know he loves Jesus. And all the other things were not important. It was about women in the, we were arguing about women in the pulpit. And things like that. It's kind of, it's kind of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, when it comes to our faith, it's really, do you know Jesus? Has he come into your heart? Has he, you know, redeemed you of your sins? Have you accepted him as your only Lord and Savior? If that beyond that, everything else is yeah. We can have fun talking about that over coffee. That's it. Cool. That's it. We're done. Thanks, Kev. Yeah, it's been fun sitting with this you. This is easier than I thought it would be. Guys. What, was it okay? Yeah. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I appreciate your time and sweet. Uh, yeah, look forward to listening to the the warm sounds. <laughs> you guys, you, you oh. guys, are you guys familiar with NPR? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mildly, They're, mildly. They yeah. are like when it comes to. Uh, podcasts and whatnot, they are the pinnacle. The big yeah. dog. Right. And I, I know how they do it because I know somebody who was interviewed on NPR. And when they send you, if they, want, if they want you to talk and be aired, they send you microphones. And, oh, to your home? To your home. Really? And they tell you in the instructions how to speak. Go into your bedroom, put a blanket over you. Yeah. <laughs> Really? Oh, yeah, all that, and then speak. And I'm like, I'm looking at these instructions. So I can like, take wow. this blanket off? <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one under the blanket. What? Nobody told me that. <laughs> but if you ever want to listen to an NPR person speaking, it's like it's beautiful. It just puts you to sleep. It's so nice. It's <laughs> great radio voices. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. Right on. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Kev. It's been fun. All right, that was Kevin. That was a fun little interview. Kevin's always a uh, fun.
fun uh, little peek behind the curtain. He told us before, he said, I got some ADD, so you guys got to keep me on track. We tried. <laughs> we tried. I think we did a good job. It did we? Good. We did it was okay. Fun. Yeah. That was it was fun. good. Yeah, was it, was, fun. it was good hearing from just a different just a different background. I, you know, it's one of the fun things about these conversations with people. It's like, okay, we've sat down with Suzanne, who comes out of like a, a Catholic background where they were trying to evangelize yeah. English people, you know, and now we sit down with Kevin and he's got this charismatic Pentecostal word faith background and they hear what the Lord's done. It's just good. Yeah, and and appreciate his heart at the end there where he just said, at the end of the day, it's about Jesus. Let's get it on. It's all about Jesus, yeah. The gospel. And, you know, it is amazing when you look back. I mean, maybe sometime we should do a conversation about this, but just how theologically you grow, you grow, and you change, and you learn, and you adjust. But there's one thing we never move on. We We preach Christ. Yes. We don't move on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's one of the great things about these conversations, to hear each other's backgrounds and what the Lord's done. And at the end of the day, Jesus. Amen. He's king. Cool. Well, we'll leave it at that. We'll see you next month. Uh, Thanks for joining us.